2: Morning, Commissioner. Steve. You know, this better be important. There's a certain redhead who was just dying to go for a long ride in the country today. Now I can't even give her a chance to walk back. This is important,
3: Steve. Ever hear of the Triangle Airlines? No.
2: It's an American
3: charter outfit owned by a man named Kovac. They fly cargo across the northern part of South America, from Ecuador to Brazil. In the last ten days, three of their planes have disappeared over the jungle. It's vanished without a trace.
2: Pilots haven't been hurt from since. So a private airline's in trouble. Since when have we been pulling chestnuts out of the fire for outfits like that?
3: Ordinarily, we wouldn't be interested. But the circumstances accompanying the disappearance of these cargo planes makes it our concern.
2: What circumstances?
3: Well, um,
2: I don't quite know how to tell you, Oh, now, let's not be bashful, Commissioner. What do you mean? Flying saucers. What did you say? You heard me, flying saucers. Commissioner, I'm a pretty patient guy. If you think I'm going down to South America and start looking for flying saucers... Well, that's it's... just what you are going to do, Steve, and your plane leaves in an hour. Now, look, don't tell me you're going to give me a Buck Rogers ray gun to shoot him down with. This is no joke, Steve. Look, I don't care whether it's flying saucers or flying dishpans.
3: That area is too close to the Panama Canal for comfort. You'll be met in Ecuador by a man named Drake, the chief pilot of the airlines. He'll fill you in on the background. Well, that's it. You've got your assignment. Good luck. <laughs>
1: National Broadcasting Company is proud to present Dangerous Assignment, starring Brian Donlevy as Steve Mitchell, colorful, two-fisted government agent. At all those places of the world where danger and intrigue walk hand in hand, there you will find Steve Mitchell on another Dangerous Assignment.
2: Well, this assignment really takes the cake. I've had my share of screw-loose jobs, but flying saucers yet. It's Wednesday night when I get to Ecuador. Drake, the chief pilot of Triangle Airlines, is waiting for me at the airport. He bustles me into the co-pilot seat of one of their
0: cargo ships, and we take off and head east. It's about a two-hour hop to Santa Rosa, Mitchell. You should be there about midnight.
2: What's at Santa Rosa?
0: One of our fields. Kovac, the owner, is waiting there for you. You uh, do most of your flying at night around here, Drake,
2: huh? Mm,
0: all of it. Less
2: turbulence over these mountains.
0: You'll fly or too? Oh, now and then. Oh, too bad you're not looking for a job. If this monkey business keeps up, I'm going to be fresh out of pilots. Just what has been going on? You tell me. It's happened three times now. Radio flash from the pilot about seeing flying saucers. Then the radio goes dead, and the plane's never heard of again.
2: You searched the jungle near the route for the planes?
0: From the air. The country's too rugged
2: for a ground search. Hey, what was that? Mitchell, look outside. All those lights. Yeah. Hey, they look like rings or discs swirling around. They're right alongside of us. I'm going to go back aft in the plane. Maybe I can get a better look at them. Uh, Mitchell! Drake, what is it? What's the matter? Drake! The Drake just grabs at his chest and slumps over. The plane starts into a dive. I jump back into my seat and...
4: right to level it out!
2: I remember... Noticing Drake had been flying a heading of 95 degrees, so I hold it there. By the time I can look outside again, the whirling things are gone. I reach for the radio. T3 calling Santa Rosa Tower. T3 calling Santa Rosa Tower. Over.
5: Santa Rosa Tower to T3.
2: Go ahead. T3 to Santa Rosa. This is Steve Mitchell. Keep in touch with me. I've got to bring this bucket of bolts in, and I don't know anything about the route or the field. Over. Over.
5: Santa Rosa to T3. What happened to Drake Mitchell, over?
2: I'll tell you about it when I get there. Right now, that's what concerns me. Over. Stay
5: on 95 degrees. If you're on schedule, you'll be over the field in an hour. Your course follows a valley. You'll know it if you get off it, all right. There's a high mountain range on each side, over.
2: Thanks a lot for the pleasant thought. I'll see you in about an hour, I hope. Over and out. So, for the next hour... I nurse a strange plane between two mountain ranges I can't see on a night black enough to play post office. All the while, I'm trying to convince myself I didn't see what I know I did. Drake is still unconscious, but he stirs a little now and then. Finally, I pick out the lights of Santa Rosa Airfield and manage to bring the ship in okay. Mitchell? Yeah? I'm
5: George, Kovac's nephew. Yeah? I was talking to you on the radio. Oh. Sure glad you made it, okay?
2: You're glad. Come on, give me a hand with Drake here. Okay.
5: Hey, he's coming out of it.
2: Drake. Drake. Uh,
0: what? Oh, my chest. What happened to you, Drake? I don't know. Right after we saw those things, I suddenly felt like I'd been kicked in the chest by a mule. That's all I can remember.
2: There's not a mark on you. Yeah, great. Flying saucers aren't enough. Now we've got invisible rays.
5: Well, why didn't it hit you, too, Mitchell? I don't know.
2: Wait. I just started aft when it happened. Guess it's a good thing for you you did. Yeah. Come on, Joyce. We'll get Drake taken care of, and then we'll talk to your uncle.
3: Mr. Mitchell, your description of what you saw during your flight tallies with those the missing pilots radioed in. I tell you frankly, I'm on the ragged edge with this airline. I've lost three planes. One more and I'm ruined. Isn't your line insured, Mr. Kovac? Why, yes, but... This is more than
5: money. It's a matter of prestige. Look, Uncle Emil, if you'd taken my advice a month ago when the Van Horn Exporting Company wanted to buy you George, out... George,
3: for the last time, I'll not tolerate any advice from you as to how to run my
5: affairs. Sure, you stick your nose in all my affairs, but I'm not supposed to open my mouth where yours are concerned. If
2: you don't keep a civil tongue in your head... <coughs> Look, uh, gentlemen, I don't want to stir up a hornet's nest between you, but what is this Van Horn Exporting Company? They ship crates of
3: carved wooden statues regularly on our planes. Our largest customers, as a matter of fact. About two months ago, they approached me with a substantial offer to buy the line. But just before the trouble started, they notified me that they were withdrawing their offer. Bad business conditions, they said.
2: Any particular reason why business should be bad? Well, there have been rumors about
3: some mysterious revolutionary party organizing lately. That sort of thing always has a bad effect on business in these countries. I see. Uh, Mitchell, uh, what will be your first step?
2: Well, I think I'll pay a visit to the Van Horn Exporting Company in the morning.
5: Why? You certainly don't think they're involved in this flying saucer deal, do you?
2: Look, when you don't know where to start, one place is as good as another. Besides, I'm sure the Van Horn Company is a lot closer than Mars. Yes, sir? This the office of the Van Horn Exporting Company?
6: Yes, it is.
2: Well, I'd like to talk to the boss. Is he around?
6: Yes, I'm the boss, as you call it.
2: Huh? You?
6: I'm Hurt Van Horn. Oh,
2: well, looks like the company is in good hands.
6: Thank you. What can I do for you, mister?
2: Mitchell. Steve Mitchell. Uh, Your company ships cargo pretty regularly with the Triangle Airlines.
6: I have been, but if the present trouble continues, I think I will have to make other arrangements. Uh, You're down here to investigate the trouble, aren't you?
2: I don't remember telling you that.
6: One picks up things here and there.
2: Yeah, I guess one does. A couple of months ago, you offered to buy the airline, didn't you?
6: Yes, I did. But that was before the trouble started. Naturally, I'm not interested now.
2: Well... According to my information, you withdrew your offer just before the trouble started.
6: <laughs> I see that you, too, pick up things here and there. Yes, I began to hear rumors about the formation of a revolutionary party. I decided it would be unwise to make a large investment under those conditions.
2: I see. You know, that's the second time I've heard this rumor about a revolutionary party.
6: Oh? What about it?
2: Oh, nothing. Nothing. Except it seems like a pretty convenient time to start that rumor circulating.
6: I don't know what you're trying to prove, Steve, but I wish you luck.
2: Thanks, Herta. Maybe meeting you has been luck.
6: One never knows. I expect I will see you again.
2: You expect right, Herta. And soon.
0: Hi, Mitchell. George told me I'd find you here in the
2: office. Yeah. Come on in, Drake. How are you feeling
0: today? A lot better, thanks. My chest still hurts a little. Hmm. I'd sure give a lot to know what hit me last night. So would I. Doing some paperwork this morning?
2: Yeah. I've been checking cargo invoices and radio logs. I've discovered a couple of pretty interesting things. Huh? What? Look, each time a plane has disappeared, it's been carrying a shipment from the Van Horn Company.
0: Hmm? What does that prove?
2: I don't know yet. Take a look at this copy of the invoice. Mm -hmm. What about it? How many Van Horn crates are listed there? Uh,
0: Let's see. uh, Six. six.
2: Yeah, but isn't that number a little smudged on this copy? Yeah, it looks like it. Who handles these invoices on this end?
0: Sometimes Kovac and sometimes George. Hmm.
2: How big are those uh, Van Horn crates? Mm, Five, six feet long.
0: What are you getting at, Mitchell?
2: I'm not sure yet, but here's something else according to the radio logs, in each case, the pilot reported sighting the flying saucers about 20 minutes after takeoff. So? Now, take a look at this map. 20 minutes out at the course and speed your planes fly should put them right near this mountain. Yeah, Mount San Anselmo.
0: Look, what are you getting at?
2: Well, look, suppose me... those flying saucers came from the ground, Drake. You know... You tell
0: me you're going into those jungles. Sure. You know anyone who could guide me? It seems to me one of those mechanics has a brother named Pablo. Some sort of a guide, I think. Mm-hmm. Mitchell, you ought to think this over before you go in. I have thought it over. Now see if you
2: can round up that guide, will you? I'd like to get started as soon as possible. <laughs> How far you figure we've come since we left the Jeep, Pablo? Well, at least ten miles, senor. Now well, we ought to be getting close to the spot, then. Brother, this jungle is thick. This is the only trail through it, huh? See? Si. I can believe it. Senor, watch out! Huh? Hey. Why the flying tackle?
0: Look, senor. Huh?
2: Look down the trail in front of you. I don't see anything. Quiet. Look more closely. Hidden by the
4: underbrush on the ground.
2: Yeah. I see it now. A rope noose spread over the trail. See, si, and over there, senor. See the tree which is bent almost double. Mm-hmm. Another step, and we'd have been dangling from that tree like two apples. Come on, let's spring that trap quick. senor, you look. Someone's obviously hiding around here, waiting to catch us dangling from that rope. Let's make him think he succeeded. Here's a dead branch beside the trail. Give me a hand with it. See. Si. Got it.
0: See. Si.
2: Okay. Stop here. Uh. The trigger is probably under that little pile of leaves. Signor. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Okay, we'll toss this branch on top of it and see what happens. You ready? See, si. Let her go. <laughs> Look at that. The rope jerked that branch right up in the air. Now get down here beside the trail. signal I hear something. Yeah, so do I. Somebody coming through the underbrush. Okay, let him get right on top of us. Then we'll jump him.
0: Now! Watch it, Pablo. He's got a gun. Yeah, but I tell him a chance.
2: No, no, no. Hold it. Ah! Oh, great. Did I did something wrong, Senor? No. Well, he'd have done the same to us if we'd given him a chance. But I wanted to get some information from uh, him. I will take a look. <laughs> uh, there is nothing in his pocket, Senor, except this scrap of paper. Let me see it. See, see, Here you. La Posada. Eight o'clock. What's La Posada mean? Does uh, the name of a bar in Santa Rosa. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. sounds like he had a date. Okay, I'll keep the date for him. Maybe I can find out who's been going all out to kill me.
1: You are listening to Dangerous Assignment, starring Brian Donlevy in the role of Steve Mitchell.
2: A few minutes before eight that night, I'm waiting in the shadows across the street from La Posada Bar. A car pulls up in front. Herta Van Horn is driving. A guy starts to get out, but Herta pulls him back for a minute. There's a long kiss, and he gets out and heads for the bar. Herter pulls away. As he opens the door, the light silhouettes him. It's Kovac's nephew, George. I wait for a few minutes, and then I saunter in after him. Hello, George. Oh, hi, Mitchell. Are uh, you surprised to see me? Should I be? I don't know. You are waiting for somebody, George? Waiting for a drink right now. This a uh,
5: favorite hangout of yours? It's the only decent bar in Santa
2: Rosa. Mm-hmm. Look, uh,
5: what's with the third degree, Mitchell?
2: Oh, nothing in particular. Just curious.
4: Everybody stay right where you are and keep your hands in sight. Hey, look
2: at all the soldiers.
4: What's the deal? What That's mean. You're under arrest, all of you. Everyone in this bar is under arrest. Arrest? Hey, look,
2: who are you? Lieutenant Gonzalez of the military. Arrest for what? Look, Lieutenant. It will we can... do you no good to argue. You will come quietly or be shot. Hey,
0: what's going on
2: around this joint? Oh,
0: Drake. <laughs> yeah, looks like I'm about to get pinched. What's the bait? You know this man, Senor Drake? I certainly do, Lieutenant. Steve Mitchell, he's down here investigating the trouble we've been having on the airline.
2: you better take a look at my credentials, Lieutenant. Here. I see. I'm sorry to have disturbed you, Senor Mitchell, but with the situation what it is, we cannot take chances. What situation? We have information that this bar is the headquarters for a revolutionary party. That is why we raided the place. You sure there's more to this revolutionary party than a rumor?
6: Do you think that the military would act on a mere
2: rumor? Maybe, if the rumor was convincing enough. Well, I'll see you around, Lieutenant. And, Drake, thanks for the assist.
4: Good morning, Herta. Good
2: morning, Steve. What can I do for you? I'd uh, like to take a look at your shipping invoices for the last couple of weeks, okay?
6: I guess, of course. Here you are.
2: Thanks. Yeah. Yeah, here's the one I want. Now, this shipment was on the last plane that disappeared. What about it? This invoice shows five crates shipped, but the copy they have at the airfield shows six.
6: Well, there must have been a mistake, then.
2: Yeah. Right now, I'm wondering who made it.
6: Steve... I don't know what you're trying to prove, but I'm beginning to resent your inferences.
2: Sorry, I didn't know they were showing, Hertha. I guess George was right when he said your company couldn't possibly have anything to do with the trouble the line is having.
6: George?
2: Yeah, Kovac's nephew.
6: Oh, well, it was very nice of the man to come to my rescue, and I hardly know him.
2: You hardly know George, huh? Well,
6: just to speak to on the
4: street.
2: I see. Well, I better be getting back to the field.
6: I'm sorry I cannot help you, Steve.
2: Thanks, Herta. Maybe you have. Oh, Mitchell. Why, hello, Mr. Kovac. Uh, On your way to see Hertha?
3: No, looking for you. Have you found out anything uh, at all about these flying saucers
2: and what's behind this thing? Mr. Kovac, so far I've been just grabbing at handfuls of smoke here and there. But there's enough smoke to mean fire somewhere. Uh, You've got a plane going tonight, haven't you? Yes. Is there a Van Horn shipment aboard? That's right. How many crates? Why, uh...
3: Five, I believe.
2: Okay. Just one thing more. Do you have a small plane I could use? Well, there's a four-place cabin job at the field. That's perfect. Mitchell, what are you going to do? I'd like you and George to be at the control tower when your cargo plane takes off tonight, Mr. Kovac. I'll tell you what I'm going to do then. That night I wait in the shadows near the airfield. I spot the plane, T-5, loaded and ready. The pilot is in the shack getting his weather report. I slip quietly aboard. The invoice had said five Van Horn crates, but I can count six of them, all about six feet long. I put my ear to the top crate, and I hear what I expect to hear. Then I freeze. Footsteps outside. There's a faint scrape of metal under the belly of the plane. The steps fade away. I get out, crawl under. I take a long look. And a lot of things suddenly fall into place. I head for the control tower. George, Kovac, and Drake are there. T5 to Santa Rosa Tower, ready to
5: go. Santa Rosa Tower to T5, go ahead. Wind 15 at 30 degrees. Well, Mitchell, now perhaps
2: you'll tell me why you wanted George and myself to be here tonight. Sure. I want to take you for a ride in your plane. A ride? Where? We're going to follow the plane that's just taking off. What? Now, Mitchell... What's the matter, Kovac? Doesn't the idea appeal to you? Well, I... I'd rather not go, Mitchell. I, I don't like this idea. Afraid of what you might see, huh, Kovac? Of course not. How about you, George?
5: Why, oh, uh... I don't know what you're getting at, Mitchell, but it sounds like a lot of nonsense to me.
0: Drake, you want to go along just for the ride? Sure. Except I'm not anxious to get hit again by one of those
2: things that hit me the other night. <laughs> I think we'll be safe enough. Uh, get the plane warmed up for me, will you? I'll be with you as soon as I make a telephone call. <laughs>
3: Aren't you going to ready the pilot that we're following you, Mitchell?
2: No. You and George just sit back there and keep your eyes on that plane. I don't see what you're trying to prove, Mitchell. I think you will in a minute, George. How long since takeoff, Drake? Oh, about 19,
5: 20 minutes. Want me to take over the controls? No, thanks. Mitchell, look at that plane below, all uh, around it. Circles of
3: whirling light. Mitchell, the flying saucers. Relax. T5 to Santa Rosa. T5 to Santa Rosa. It's
5: all around me. Flashing lights and whirling things. Must be the flying saucers.
3: That was the pilot
5: reporting back. Flying saucers. Wait a minute. They seem to be coming from the plane itself. They are.
2: From underneath the plane. What? Yeah, from a bracket attached to the belly. They're not flying saucers. They're just a glorified collection of fireworks. Fireworks? Now hey, wait. That plane's turning left.
3: But how can it fly at all? Something's happened to the pilot. He's the only one aboard.
2: Oh, no, there's another guy aboard. He's probably doing the flying now. Well, where'd he come from? He climbed out of a crate. Hey, the plane is heading right for that mountain. It's climbing. We'll climb with it. Mitchell, what's behind all this? I don't know. Right now, I'm more interested in who's behind it. Kovac, you said you were pretty heavily insured, didn't you? Why, yes. What's that got to do with it? Did you inspect the cargo plane before it took off? I always do. You could have attached the fireworks to that bracket under the belly when you made your inspection, couldn't you? Are you insane? Why would I do a thing like that? Why, George here looked over the plane after I did. That's interesting. And George usually handles the invoices. He could have altered the number of crates on them. Look, Mitchell. Hey, we're right over the mountain now and that plane is starting to lose altitude. Tell me, George, why did Herda Van Horn lie about the two of you? Keep your mouth shut, Mitchell. She said she barely knew you, but when I saw the two of you in our car outside La Posada Bar, your acquaintance seemed to be more than a nodding one. George,
3: have you been seeing that woman again? I distinctly told you I would not okay,
5: tolerate... Okay, so it's out in the open now. Sure, I've been seeing her, and I intend to keep it up. I can't help it if you don't like her. Or I do.
3: We'll discuss this later, George. Hey, hey,
2: look down there. Some faint lights. What? There's nothing but jungle there. Look again, that's a camouflage landing strip, and the cargo plane is landing.
3: So that's what's been happening to my plane. What
2: mountain is that we just came over? El Diablo. And the landing strip is right behind. Okay, we've seen enough. I'll radio back a report. Hand and... me that microphone, Mitchell. Hmm?
0: Drake! Look out, he's got a gun. I said, hand me that microphone. Okay, Drake.
2: You know, I kind of got to figuring it was you. As chief pilot, you were in a good spot to alter the invoices... and get your stooges aboard the plane in crates. But why? Tune the
0: radio to 4150 kilocycles, Mitchell.
2: Okay. Yep, yeah, you were the only one who knew I was going into the jungle, too, Drake. You arranged a little booby trap for me.
0: You're also a good actor,
2: faking that collapse you pulled on me in the plane. Shut up
0: and keep tuning.
2: Okay, you're on 4150 now.
0: This is Drake. This is Drake. Leave the lights on. We're coming in behind the cargo plane... Stand by to receive some uninvited guests. Okay, Mitchell, go down and land. The first time you try anything smart, you'll get your head blown off.
2: I set the plane down on the strip. The landing lights flick off, and half a dozen of rugged-looking gents swarm out to meet us. Drake huddles with them for a few minutes, and then they haul Kovac, George, and me into a log hut hidden under the trees. They toss us in there and bolt the door. But the door has an inside bolt, too. We shoot it in place. We can't get out, but now they can't get in.
0: Mitchell! Open the door, Mitchell! Okay, smart boy. You'll come out running when it gets light.
2: The hours crawl by. We sit and wait and sweat.
3: What. what time is it now, Mitchell?
2: Uh, 5 a.m.
3: I I can't stand this waiting. What good did it do us to bolt the door from the inside? We can't stay in here forever.
2: I'm playing for time. I've still got an ace up my sleeve, but we've got to stay alive until dawn to find out if it's any good.
5: Well, don't look now, but I think dawn's here. Huh? There's a crack of light under the door.
2: Oh, brother. If something doesn't happen pretty soon, we're cooked. Hey, maybe we are. Do you smell that? Gasoline.
0: You'll be coming out pretty soon now, boys.
2: Mitchell, he set fire to the hut. Yeah, I guess that's why he was waiting for dawn. He was afraid the fire might be spotted at night.
5: Is this the ace up your sleeve, Mitchell? We can't stay here and roast like rats in a trap. We'll get a bullet in the belly as soon as we open that door.
2: Couple of keen choices. (laughs) I'll take my chances with the bullets. Come on. Let's get this door unbolted. But
5: they'll kill us.
2: I'll take fresh air with mine. Hey, wait a minute. Listen. A plane. That's the ace up my sleeve I was talking about.
5: Sounds like it's coming down. Who is it?
2: Just before we took off last night, I made a phone call, remember? <coughs> it was the Lieutenant Gonzalez of the military. Gonzalez? But how did he know what happened to us after we took off? We'll it that later. Let's get out of here. Hey, Gonzalez boys are taking no chances. They want that landing strip clear when they sit down. Come on, Joyce, let's get this door unbolted. Okay. <laughs> okay, come on. Look at him scatter.
0: Hey, Mitchell, there goes Drake,
2: trying for the jungle. I'll get him. Watch out, he's got a gun! I see it! You can't run and shoot at the same time, Drake. Better make up your mind, which. Okay, I'll shoot, Mitchell. I'm too late, Drake! <laughs> Let go of me! He who hesitates uh, is Ugh. lost, you know?
3: Mitchell, Mitchell, you okay?
2: Yeah. How are Gonzalez and his boys doing?
3: Well, they seem to be mopping up in a hurry. Mitchell, I still don't understand how Gonzalez found out.
2: Well, when I called him last night, I told him our radio frequency and I asked him to listen in. Then I kept the mic open the entire time.
5: Gonzalez overheard everything that was said in our plane, huh?
2: Yeah, including the location of the landing strip. But I knew he wouldn't try to bring a plane in here before dawn. That's why I was hoping we'd still be alive by then. Why were Drake in
3: his outfit trying to ruin my airline?
2: Look, if you're going to operate a secret landing strip, you don't want a regular airline flying through the area. They figured the flying saucer gag would scare you off.
5: Well, it seems to me this was a pretty big operation for a small revolutionary party in a small country, Mitchell.
2: You know, I've been thinking that too. Could be that's all there is to it. But it's not a long hop from here to the Panama Canal. Maybe somebody else had ideas about using this strip, eventually. Of course, we'll never know, and anyway, it doesn't matter much now.
5: Yeah. Speaking of things we'll never know, we didn't prove anything one way or the other about flying saucers in this deal.
2: We proved something as far as Drake's concerned though. What's that? If you monkey around with fireworks long enough, you're sure to get your nose burned. Or busted.
1: I've just heard another episode in the exciting new adventure series, Dangerous Assignment, starring Brian Donlevy in the role of Steve Mitchell. Dangerous Assignment is written by Bob Reif, with music by Bruce Ashley, and was directed tonight by Max Hutto. Be with us again next week at this time when Brian Donlevy, starring as Steve Mitchell, will embark on another Dangerous Assignment. There's more great action-packed entertainment for you throughout the week on NBC. Other mystery adventure programs include such popular shows as Big Town, Dragnet, High Adventure, and Christopher London. Starring as Christopher London, you'll hear Glenn Ford in the swashbuckling role of a romantic, adventurous private investigator. On High Adventure, there's the utmost in thrilling drama to entertain adventure-minded listeners. Dragnet brings you in stark realism cases direct from official police files. And during Big Town, you'll hear crusading editor Steve Wilson fighting crime and viciousness. Join the millions of listeners who, each week, tune for thrill-packed high-tension drama on NBC, where mystery and adventure join together for top-flight entertainment. Tomorrow, be sure to hear Bob Hope and Feber McGee on NBC.